What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kinda Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, June 18th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good, Greg? Yay, you're back. I'm alive. You, you didn't die. You I know didn't what I mean? die. Thank goodness for that, right? I tried my best. I wanted to host Star Wars all by myself. <laughs> I did what I could, but here you are. So really, this was just a ploy <laughs> by you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know how I mean? do I take you over exactly. Andrea? I was, then it would have been the hostile takeover of what's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I think Brit and Steimer would fight to the death to make I sure. said hostile. Yeah, Trust you me. did. Yeah, well, yeah it, there will be blood. In that <laughs> hostile takeover, Steimer or me are dying. One of us yeah. are going down in the war. It's like Avengers. How are you feeling, Andrew? I'm doing okay. This is the best I've felt um, since two weeks ago. Wow. Um, it's crazy. It's been exactly two weeks. Well, two weeks tomorrow um, since the procedure happened. But yeah, I'm feeling okay. Yeah. Had a couple of days to chill at home post E3. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, very much needed. Yeah. I mean, like I was telling everybody down in the like, because everyone was like, what are you doing? Here, sure. why, why aren't you at home? I was like, if by the I, way you aren't up to date, Andrea had emergency <laughs> surgery. I realized we haven't really had a games daily to talk about that on we since haven't. the games daily happened, so it's very yeah. possible we have no idea what's happening. If you missed my announcement on Facebook and Twitter, yeah, it all happened very quickly. I was on conference calls preparing for my flight even that morning, yeah, um, and then went to the doctor, and things happened so fast, and then they're like rushing me into surgery, but thankfully they caught it and. I'm alive and everything's going to be okay. Okay. I have my follow-up in a couple of days just to double check. Good, good. That nothing is out of place. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be here hosting. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. I mean, you, no shows last week except for all the of E3 course. content. Except for all the E3 content. All that no E3 madness. Deal. Yeah, um, I, I cut you off with the, hey, this is what happened to Andrea. You were going, why did you go to E3? People must have been looking at you. I looked at you, you're walking around with that like walker thing. I did I was have like, a bitch and walker. I was like, what the f- get out of yeah. here. Go lay down. Oh, no, it's because um, I, my first off, my doctor did clear me to fly after 72 hours of bed rest. But um, mentally, I needed to be there because yeah. your mental health, of course, is just as important as your physical health. And I was like, you know what? My body will tell me when I need to sit down or lay down or take a take a nap. But like. Mentally, if I had sat out my 12 mm, E3, mm. probably would have drove me a little mad. Sure. So, needed to go. Wanted to see everybody. Of course, the biggest week in our industry, and usually my biggest week of the year. And I got to work with so many cool people. The odds of me being okay after having saying no to all those people, though, yeah. I have to say, EA, Facebook, Square Enix, everybody that I had announced that I was working with, like, fell over themselves to help me. And they all said, please don't come if you don't want to. Like, it's not going to affect our working relationship with you whatsoever. We want you to get better. Sure. So a big shout out and a thanks to everybody that I worked with last week. But unfortunately, EA Play being so early in the week, I just physically could not go. Yeah. So... But thank you. You did a fantastic job, as always. I always said, if I can get rid of Andrea, I can do better. You know what I mean? This show, uh, even true. this one right here, this episode Stop would be better it. if it was just me by myself. That's what, what That's the Star Wars panel. That's I mean, did you like the Star Wars panel? Imagine just me, you know, Andrea, because that's what it would have been. Barrett, you know? That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> we're happy to have you back, Andrea. Thanks, and have you not dead. Thank you. Um, today, we're going to talk about Nier versus Elon Musk, Stadia, and your name changes, and how. The Minecraft story mode Hi, episodes each cost one hundred dollars. Yeah, Joey, do you need the food? It's here. It's here with me. Yeah. Oh, that's. What I said, why not cut out the middleman? Nobody had a good reason not. Okay. Is that fine with you? 
All right, cool. Because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can go there, give us your questions, comments, concerns, and everything else under the video game sun. Then tune in to watch us record it live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up. So we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames, RoosterTeeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you today. Remember, Anthony Rapp, We Have Cool Friends, is up. It is a new show. YouTube.com slash Podcast services around the globe. They're still auto-populating. I know it's on iTunes, not yeah, Spotify Yeah, yet. people are still asking about Spotify. It'll We're, be up when we when it'll be up. That's the know? thing. You submit and you wait. So that's yeah. not on us. Don't worry about it. But we could use your support, obviously. Launching a new show is tough. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Daniel Massey, Blackjack, Colton Yoder, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today we're brought to you by Grubhub. Hence the food, wink. Uh, Brooklyn and Quip. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Six items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. Number one, Andrea. I can't believe the story is even a story. It's more of a fun one. You you looked at the story listing today and you're like, oh, man. Uh, hodgepodge of news. I'm like slim pickings. What I said is, uh, it's the it's a hangover after E3. Yes, we got a lot of appetizers, no main course. So we're True. we're having one of those cocktail parties where you're just trying a bunch of little things. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Near Automata fan art forces Elon Musk off Twitter. Not really. This is Matt Kim at US Gamer. Elon Musk, CEO of electric car company Tesla, has left Twitter. Uh, I'll give you the update. He has not left Twitter, but it's <laughs> don't worry about it. And it's all because of a piece of Near Automata fan art over the week on weekend. Musk posted a. A tweet of the drawing of a drawing of the Android 2B, a protagonist in the critically acclaimed 2017 action RPG Near Automata. Simply captioned incorrectly 2B because the B's lowercase. All right, everybody, back off. You know what I mean? If, if yeah. you call the character 2B and you don't capitalize the B, but you, you still got it right. Yeah, Let's, of course. Let, this is where we're gatekeeping video games. <laughs> Musk was criticized for not crediting the artist in his initial tweet. When users asked Musk uh, to credit the artist, Musk responded, no, period. <laughs> Instead of backing down, Musk continued to defend his choice to not credit artists on Twitter, claiming attribution is destroying the medium. What? Criticism of Musk's decision not to credit the artist and to defend the decision continued through the weekend until last night so this would have been what sunday night when musk announced that he was leaving the social media platform he put in quotes this is a tweet he tweeted just deleted my twitter account obviously not Clearly musk not. hasn't actually deleted his <laughs> account yet since his tweets are visible instead he's changed his avatar to a blank picture and hasn't tweeted in 15 hours this is a story obviously from yesterday or you know over the weekend i just checked his tweets and replies and he has not tweeted since june but 16th so he updated his uh, blacked out image and put a little heart over it in it oh he before did. it there was black before heart. i yes. did my due diligence to see what's going on uh yeah he's not leaving twitter obviously he's just doing the same thing he's so got many 27 million followers which is probably the reason he should give some attribution to the fucking artist absolutely uh-huh you know what i mean like i have one million and when i use kind of funny fan art i try to attribute to anybody yeah. and like figure it out and at least tag them in the photo of what's going on so that it's there and what? i screw it up and then i try and if i do i try to put it in there exactly and what a stupid hill to die on yeah like of all the things that people get mad at you about, he's done some stupid stuff really on Twitter. Really dumb shit. Really dumb shit. It's like, so what? Like, why is it so wrong to give, you know, why? attribution to the artist? <laughs> hey, can I don't you give understand. attribution? 
No. <laughs> Period. Send the tweet. If he just wants to be lazy, that's one thing. They maybe don't respond and dig in. Well, his his reasoning just sucked so much too. Yeah. Like I didn't put it in here, but the tweet it's he basically was like, medium. he's like, it's so easy to just in two seconds you can find out who made the art. It's like. I guess if I go to Google reverse image search, maybe, but like, no, that's not easier at all. No. Just tag the person in and it's very simple. Yeah. Musk, figure it out. But hey, he was also tweeting about video games, which is cool. I, I, I guess. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Where do we come down? On, like where this, do we come man. on Elon Musk? Not there? like this. I mean, he does like, he, he is trying to do a lot of like cool things for the world, but I also see him as one of the people maybe like ending like society as we know it with, I don't know, robots or some shit. Yeah. He's one of those people. He's going to be the guy that pulls the Skynet button. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. For like shits and giggles too. Sure. Just to see if it's simulation. I can see, yeah. see that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Cuphead and cars though. <laughs> Number two. Take two, CEO Strauss Zelnick uh, is pretty tone deaf about unions. That's Greg editorializing. Uh, Brendan Sinclair has a long interview with him over at gamesindustry.biz where he's talking about how hopefully there won't be as much time between games, this, that, and the other. But then Brendan gets into this. Another topic we raised for Zelnick is that of unionization. The subject has drawn plenty of discussion in development circles following a number of controversies in... the past few years, including a series of reports on working conditions at Rockstar. Quote, Look, unions tend to develop when labor relations are not are, are not typically non-existent, Zelnick says. And typically, unions have been most beneficial when when there were more workers than there were jobs and where the jobs were low-paying jobs. We have fewer workers than we have jobs, and they're high-paying jobs. Right now, Take-Two has 500 open positions. There are 220,000 or so people employed in the U.S. video game, in, video game business. They make about 100,000 on average, maybe more. It's hard to imagine what would motivate that crew to unionize, but we're a compliant company and we'll, and we'll serve the law. If our colleagues want to engage in collective bargaining, then we will, end quote. This is not that bad of a take from a CEO's perspective. Okay. From a CEO's perspective, he at the top is saying, what are you missing in your careers that you're trying to bargain for? And clearly the people on the other side are like, hey, maybe no crunch. Yeah, maybe better hours. Better, better overtime yeah, yeah. pay, more vacation pay, mandated breaks, blah, 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 blah. Right? Like sure. all the things that a union wants to make people happier and healthier. Yeah. Um but he's not wrong in saying, if you look at the history of unionization, sure, that, yeah, particularly okay. in the United States, that the it's video game for industry, like coal miners and right, yeah, yeah, yeah. or hotel workers yeah, yeah. or people that traditionally do a blue collar job sure. that actually need somebody fighting on their behalf right. because they are unskilled, uneducated positions typically. So, and video games is not that right. Almost all of the jobs in video games require some form of higher education, and so I think that's where he's coming from. Is it a good take? No, it was just. It's it, a CEO take. But know? I know, but I mean, like, it just reads so tone deaf and let them eat cake or Ebenezer Scrooge. He's of, like, the he's, CEO of I, Take Two. I can't understand the common man <laughs> anymore as I sit here in my CEO chair. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's what it reads like. Of, of like, course. I just don't understand. Well, no, you just listed three things. Yeah. Has he not read any of the articles pro or con, like, talking about what the actual issues are for people making video games? I don't know if Mr. Zelnick has actually engaged with people in those. You know, maybe entry to mid-level positions within the Take-Two infrastructure to actually talk to them about what their concerns are. I'm sure he talks to his C-level employees and maybe even the executive staff, but they also are not representative of the ongoing problems within the video game development business. 
So I hope that he does take the time to educate himself about why people are talking about unions and why it makes sense. Yeah. But clearly he's going to be on the other side of that table when those negotiations begin. And sure. it's in his best interest to, you know, negotiate against them. Sure. I get that. And I understand having that perspective. It's just it, it, uh, my only my only thing. Right. Is just when he's like, it's hard to imagine what would motivate that crew to unionize that one sentence. I feel is the one where That's it's really... That's a rich person with rose-colored glasses on. Man, right I want to be a rich person one day, Andrew. Right? <laughs> That's the dream that they've I sold I want to look at Barry Greg. and be like, why do you need more money? Isn't everything great Fuck here? Fuck you, Greg. Hey, fuck you, man. And that's why we're all on the bottom together because they've sold us the dream, Greg. They've sold us the dream that you can be Strauss Zelnick someday and you're like, God damn it, I'm going to make it. But that's literally America in a nutshell, everybody. Exactly. Capitalism, it works, right? It works if you work it. All right. I don't even understand, really. Don't worry. The arguments uh yeah just god that wasn't a good look i didn't think no uh, you. you know what i mean just not a not a good look at i guess all, i'm just like a are you surprised at all i'm not yeah. well, it's, i i'm this this in, isn't in the exact same category but sticking with me it's kind of like when uh jim ryan was uh, crossplay we want to do that we want to protect the children it was just like oof how did no one brief you on this talking point to give you something other than that to say? That's what you came out and presented in a in an interview that wasn't like TMZ got you journalism, you're yeah. leaving the John. No, they were like, they sat you down. Like, maybe yeah. this is going to come up. Corporate yeah. communications is a skill. And one of his uh, talking points was also like, oh, like the average... Uh, uh, pay they make on, about a hundred thousand dollars on yeah, average, and that's like average. But it's not like the more important aspect is the median of like you're not separating the sure. kind of just employee over managers and upper pay and whatnot. So and that is yeah, the, yeah that's the yeah I saw I think I saw you tweet about it right yeah. like where's that number coming yeah. from like mm-hmm. I don't I don't have eyes on that either. Which in terms number of the what, average? A hundred thousand dollars is average. Yeah. Oh, it's about like listed salaries within the games business. So. But is that accurate? For, and that is that including CEOs being pulled in as, along with entry level employees? I would imagine so yes cool so right. i don't I, f- I feel like that's a bad number to actually like make an argument about that sure you know? again because it's the idea that he thinks then uh his average employee at whatever i guess rockstar right is making a yeah. hundred thousand dollars and maybe they are yeah but then again if he doesn't understand why they're wanting to unionize or the, why there's a conversation about unionizing can i trust him that he understands yeah. what entry-level employees are making in his company i yes. imagine one of our fantastic people watching at twitch.tv slash kind of funny games will pull a statistic for us with a citation and drop it into kind of funny.com slash you're wrong uh nanobiologist does have it in kind of funny.com slash you're wrong greg the finger foods at cocktail parties are called hors d'oeuvres so there you go thank you nanobiologist dynamite dropping as always (laughs) uh number three you can change your stadia name for for free once this is from the joes both noop and scrubbles at ign one of which is a made-up name uh they already had an article up about stadia uh, google stadia obviously the streaming service uh, name changes and stuff to that effect but then had this update google's patrick siebold has told ign that stadia users will indeed be able to change their username at any time but will only offer that change for free once siebold also clarified that name changing and the one-time free change is not a stadia pro exclusive feature however he did not speak to what name change services would cost we'll update you on this as we find out more seems pretty standard yeah i mean yeah because that's what xbox allows right you get one for free yeah i think so right I and then playstation did. now does that right like now finally the first one is free and then you have to pay for it yeah but again that took a long time so hey they thought that through you know what i mean they saw that one coming they understood people would want that i don't know how i feel about my google stadia account being tied to my google everything because it just seems like a like a tracking privacy cookies nightmare i don't care 
I tell them, take it all, Google. You know what I mean? If you're listening right now, Google. If you're listening right now, why can't I see the kind of funny calendar from my my personal Gmail calendar? And I I know you're going to say, go to the settings and enable it. I do it and nothing happens. It just isn't there. Just make it easier, you know? Because the kind of funny account is a Google business account. Correct, yeah. 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 That's probably why. But no, there's a setting in there where it's supposed to be able to be like, do-do-do, and Mm. it just doesn't do-to-do. It just sits there. You know what I mean? Something's not talking to something. You know what I mean? Exactly. Take it all. Take it all, Google. I don't mind. They already got me. You know what I mean? Put a chip in me. I'm with Kevin. They're just tracking you 24-7. Whatever. What do they want to see? I go home. I walk Portillo. It's the worst timeline. I grub up some food. (laughs) That's the end of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was it. That's it. So you can change it. Sometimes it's rare. I feel like we have the news stories that are just like, there's the news. Really not much to discuss except to put the chip in More of a PSA, right? Exactly. Number four. Minecraft story mode is having some relisting woes. This is on Xbox 360, and we're going to kick it to the Minecraft story mode Facebook page. Special message for players of Minecraft story mode on Xbox 360 only. As you may have heard, Minecraft story mode games will no longer be supported via the necessary game servers on June 25th, 2019. All of of Minecraft story mode uh, content was removed from sale on each digital storefront ahead of that happening. In the process of removing those items for sale on the Xbox 360 platform only existing minecraft story mode players became unable to download their remaining episodes from working with the xbox 360 platform the only solution to this situation is to relist the downloadable content for purchase so to assist existing customers all the downloadable episodes for the two minecraft story mode titles are being temporarily relisted but to deter new purchases they will be relisted at a very high price that price ladies and gentlemen is 100 dollars an episode it's wild. The price shown is a real list price. Please do not buy the content. If you do, you will be charged the amount shown. This is simply the only mechanism available to facilitate players being able to download their remaining episodes prior to the servers shutting down. Hopefully, this will help existing Xbox 360 players get the downloadable episodes they are entitled to. When the game servers are switched off on June 25th, the content will once again be removed from sale, upon which downloads will again become blocked. This is a weird one. I mean, it's weird that they're listing it for so high because if people truly wanted to buy it for 360, why not let them? Who yeah. cares? I guess all the money. How many? Would... Yeah. How many are they going to be buying? Right. Like if you're going to be purchasing it for digital preservation, I would imagine you would buy it on Xbox One or on PC more importantly, because that platform will probably be around much longer. Sure. Um, and so... I, logically speaking, it doesn't make sense, but also, like, why not just make it normal price? Like, why make it so expensive? There yeah. must be something that they're not saying. Yeah, there's. I'm sure there's some business contract rigmarole in the background, right? Well, probably because the profit-sharing split that they negotiated for 360 as a platform is tied to an old legal agreement from Telltale, which no longer, mm. Telltale, which no longer exists, right? And so maybe Microsoft is looking at it going, this is going to really complicate things because we have this legal split that we have to do. We can't just take all the money. I don't know. On, a, and an, on an outside chance, is it something of trying not to compete with a PlayStation or a PC, right? Like, and again, I don't think any of these platforms would, but mm-hmm. if it was, wait, there's only one place you can still buy it, and it's Xbox 360. That sucks. Why not let it be on PlayStation 3 or you know PC or something right. to that effect? And they figure this is the way to stop it, but what a weird, weird, stupid thing. So dumb. That, that just is another, like, you know, when uh, this got announced, obviously, so many people in my Twitter feed wanted to be there. Oh, isn't the digital future great, Greg? Uh, games are going away. They're not wrong, though, but this is one of the things that I... I 
have brought up as one of the reasons why I'm really skeptical about Stadia. Also, after E3, I feel even more confident about my opinions about Stadia. Cause, what? Because finally people were on my side. What did they do? What did they say? What is your side? My, my <laughs> side is that it's not going to work for the vast majority nah. of gamers. And that has been my position that I will maintain. Okay. I mean, did you see a big exclusive AAA that blew your skirt up from Stadia at E3? Oh, no. Exactly. But I didn't expect that from them, right? This is more about getting the platforms out there, getting them working. You didn't think that with a brand new platform launch, that they should have a piece of software to go with that launch? I don't know. Destiny 2, pretty cool. Destiny 2 is not a new piece of software. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, your guys' last week. We like each other. Same. We have fun here. Listen, I. We're like two kittens curled up together. Am what? I going to check out cross saving with Stadia? Of course I am. Is it going to be the primary place I play? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I understand. I think that they need to prove the software to, or the hardware to people. And I, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It, th- this is a million different conversations at once we're having, but I enjoy having them with Yes, you. of course. Where <laughs> I think their first goal here is going to be to show you in the rest of the country or the world that it does work. Yeah. And then from there, have uh, you, you, uh, you imagine looking at it, they want it to be similar to PlayStation VR in terms of, Let's get early adopters out there. It works for them. They talk positively about it. They get if they you know start from the little flame and get it going to a bigger thing. Now, of course, the immediate thing you can immediately throw back at me, which is true, <laughs> PlayStation VR launched with VR games, things yeah. that you could only play on PlayStation VR. So is right. it, it's apples to oranges in a lot of ways. I'm excited for the tech. I loved my demo with it. I, Doom Eternal ran awesome on it. Again, it was a Chrome a Chromebook, Google Chromebook, right, with a hardwire connection with me playing onto a TV with a controller. But it was for me a big thing like fuck this is awesome and i just hope it can be a little less awesome but still awesome when i play it on wi-fi when i am Mm -hmm. at an airport when i'm wherever the hell i'm gonna be with these stupid things yeah i don't know that's what i hope happens and i hope that i am hopeful yeah but but you're a mostly skeptical. <laughs> See, this is why I don't like you hanging out with that Steimer girl. The salt's rubbing off on oh, you. You know what I mean? It's true. She does rub off on me, but in a good way. <laughs> um. So yeah, what a weird thing in this digital future we're hurtling towards, and now hundred dollar Minecraft star- story modes. Yeah, that's yeah. Just search for the disc. Yeah, There's I was going to go buy the disc. Right? They've got to yeah, be out there. So exactly. Get, you know. And then also remember, you didn't care about it then. Why do you care about it now? Yep. There's less plays that exist. Don't worry about this digital preservation stuff. You can just watch it anywhere. Well, When's the last time you went back and played Custer's Revenge? You don't. You just watch how horrible it was on the internet. You're like, I understand it was horrible. <laughs> Number five, and if you thought that was an appetizer or hors d'oeuvre, here you go. Uh, Hideo Kojima is coming to Comic-Con. The story reads like this. He put up an image of him and the director, Nicholas Winding Refn? I have no idea who that is. Nick! Nick will know. Nick will know. Um, Anyways, he just put up an image that says Hideo Kojima cross Nicholas Winding Refn, who's the writer of the Neon Demon, Too Old to to Die Young, and then the director of Drive. Uh, They're coming to SDCC 2019. No other information. What are they doing there? Are they just going around doing something? Are they announcing a collab? Is it just a conversation? Nobody really knows. Nick, I need you on set. Right here. All right? You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. No? You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. Hi everyone. How do I say this name? Nicholas Winding Refn. Refn, yeah, yeah. Okay. The guy that did uh, Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nicholas Winding Refn. All right. Yeah. He's doing stuff with Kojima oh. at Comic Con. Oh, that's cool. You want to come party with Kojima and him? Hell yeah. Let's do it. Kojima knows me. <laughs> Not like by name or by face, but like, you know what I mean? Like he's heard of you, so kind of knows me. <laughs> Not by name or by face. So he knows like, Johnny Ace. Everyone knows the Ace. I hate you. Ah, oh, Johnny. 
No, I don't think so. Gosh, I hope not. I think Johnny Ace, his plane went down somewhere between here and Malta. Johnny Ace, we might have lost Johnny Ace. You know what I mean? Yeah, that happens. Uh, number six, a sad one for you. Uh, a Blue Point Games founder has passed away. This is from the Blue Point Games Facebook page. We are sad to announce the passing of one of our founders, Andy O'Neill. Andy was key in the formation of Blue Point Games, and his engineering prowess helped catapult a tiny two-person studio to where we are today. Andy, never afraid of a challenge, drove us to undertake difficult projects and exceed expectations. He would remind us that we do this work not because it is easy, but because it is hard. He always pushed Bluepoint to do great things, and we will continue his legacy. For the past 20 years, Andy called Austin his home. Always embraced the local lifestyle. Live music was a big part of him, whether attending musical festivals or playing his bass guitar for friends at home or around town. He loved the outdoors, riding his mountain bike on nature, on nature trails. He was always up for a great martini and enjoyed being with friends and making new ones. Andrew, Andy's contributions to the gaming industry will never be forgotten. We are saddened by his passing, but grateful he will forever be part of our lives. So, of course, our hearts go out to Blue Point, everybody, Andy's family and stuff like that. I didn't know Andy O'Neill, but I feel like, obviously, we need to honor that legacy. Absolutely. Now here where we usually do the whole list and jumble things, but we won't do that because that's a weird one to transition out of. But I never know how to do sad news on this show. You can't yeah. put it in the middle, then Nick comes in and yells about it. You know what I mean? Sure. Can't put it here at the end and then do the transition into it. So Andrea, what's the list I'm going to? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Do 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 do. Out today! Mini Mech Mayhem on PlayStation 4, Another Sight on Xbox One, Mars Alive on PlayStation 4, Citizens of Space on PlayStation 4 and PC, Lovely Planet 2, April Skies on PC and Mac, Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry on PlayStation 4. Uh, I know, it's disgusting. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night on PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. Holy fucking shit, that game's out finally. It's finally Can out. Can you believe that? Ega finally coming out with it. Congratulations. I have not seen reviews. I don't know how it's going. Crystal Crisis, PlayStation 4, Vacation Simulator, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation VR. Man, there's a lot. Hold on. Pour yourself another cup of coffee, everybody. <laughs> Luna. Oh, crap. Luna's out on PlayStation 4 today. Uh, Robin Honeykey. Oh, yes. my gosh. Fun Phenomena. We got to get over there and play that tonight. Uh, Pirates of First Star on PC. Beyond a Total Loss on PC. Heavyweight Transport Simulator 3 <laughs> PC. The heck is that? Is that, a, is that like a big rig game? I think so. Barrett's on it. I see him getting on it right away. Uh, title update 4 for Tom Clancy's. The Division 2 has arrived, delivering the gun special, gunner specialization. Nice. Never Winter Under Mountain launches on console. You still playing? What's your plan with the division? You still playing it? What's your deal? So after being getting my teeth kicked in by Boomer in the raid, yeah. um, I decided to take a break from yeah. the division two because everybody in my clan we all needed to like optimize our builds to go back, and yeah, yeah. it was that was right when things were ramping up for E three planning, mm-hmm. and so I put it aside, and then the season of opulence started with Destiny two, sure. and so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna wait until they optimize some things with the Division 2 with Title Update 3. Now we have Title Update 4. But I'm definitely planning to go back. Yeah. So. My plan with the Division 2 is, is simple. I'm, it's going to be the 100th Platinum. I'm at 99. So I got to do it now. Uh, going to Montreal for family stuff this week. Then we're back for another week. Then it's RTX, right? So hopefully in the week of next week and into RTX, I can hone in on it, plan a stream, do it. Uh, but once I do that, then I'm going to wait till you can get your gear score well over 500, which without update does that, then come back and do the raid and stuff. Because yeah. yeah, it was the same thing of us doing the raid. And it was just like, well... Can't get past Boomer, and we're yeah. all getting destroyed. And it, and it isn't that it's too tough on consoles. It's that you need a very specific, specific build and do these things and great communicate. And I'm like, I play this game to have fun with my friends, so I'll wait for it to be fun again in that one aspect. Right. So that'll be my plan. 
Uh, you have it from here? Oh, I got it. This is Heavyweight Transport Simulator 3. Uh, we see, of course, we are hauling some logs. Last night I was watching Toy Story 3. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ham talks about having some Lincoln logs in the sandbox. Yeah. Jen's like, what's a Lincoln log? I was like, no, oh, that's, Jen doesn't know about Lincoln logs? I mean, well, that's obviously, come on, that's from... So this literally is about it, big rigs transporting giant, really things, heavy yeah. things, yeah. like a caboose for a train. Well, that's an yeah. engine, or come on. Or a bunch of... That's an engine? Yeah. Whatever. This the, is a great they let's play on the game right here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is, I mean, this is PC gaming is, at its this finest. This is riveting. This is throw riveting back up there. Play. Throw back up there, because I just want everybody to see, look at that PC gaming, 4K gameplay. You know what I mean? That's running 120 frames per second. You can clearly see it. You, you got active, active weather, weather system. Look at it. You got the wind blowing in. That wow. volumetric fog. I know? see what you guys are always talking about, what I'm missing playing on consoles. <laughs> got my mini map on M, my radio on F3. Oof, can't wait. Uh, Neverwinter Under Mountain launches on console. Dead by Daylight Ghost Face is now available. City Skylines Industries DLC is now available on console. Dark Quest 2 is now available on iOS and Android. Then, today, Three Fields Entertainment revealed a new update for Dangerous Driving, bringing online racing to the game. From the creative talent behind the genre-defining Burnout series, Dangerous Driving puts aggression back into the racing genre, recapturing the spirit of the past and elevating it to new heights. Now, players can race online against five other drivers in a series of 18 preset events. A ranking system awards points per race, so players must outwit and wreck their opponents to stay at the top of the leaderboard. Future updates will introduce new modes and features into online play this is one of the big things you wanted out of it right and everybody i think wanted out of it review online play yeah i mean i also want several more graphical upgrades for the game um but this was the big one that people were like i can't believe they launched without online mm. multiplayer in 2019 or whatever and i was like yeah no yes that's a very fair criticism yeah but it's a small team and they're doing the best that they can so and here they are patching it now here it is and i'll tell you what updates to games that'll come up in reader mail but i won't get there just yet <laughs> new dates for you Dr. Mario World is coming yes, to mobile. Yes, this is July so 10th. Is this going to be the first big hit mobile game for Nintendo? And I, I guess think, they've all done well, but you know what I mean. They're always like, it didn't do well enough. I think this has the potential to be the biggest if they don't put grubby microtransactions sure. gated I don't think they will. Time gating. Mm. Like, that's my biggest thing about, about the mobile industry is the time gating microtransactions. I'm like... Let me pay like 10 bucks for it or 20 bucks for it and then don't have these stupid timers in the game and, and I'll be happy. Okay. So I don't know how any of that's going to work. If it's just going to be you pay for Dr. Mario like you would back in the day and then you get the whole game or do you know? Do you know? I got a press look. release on it. I didn't see it till I was already doing this. Hold on. You talk. Read the next one. Read, I, uh, read okay. that game. I got. Okay. I got the next one. So the next one is um from written up by GameSpot. The first Iceborne beta that of course is Monster Hunter World Iceborne will be exclusive to PlayStation Plus users. It will begin on Friday, June 21st. That's this Friday. I did not realize this. This is super exciting. I played this at E3. We can talk about it later. The second will be available for all PS4 owners and will begin on Friday, June 28th, the following weekend. You'll be able to preload in advance and you you won't need the base game to participate in the beta, which is really awesome because maybe you check out the beta because you're PlayStation Plus and you're like, dude, this is really cool. And then you get into Monster Hunter World. So the press release officially here says Dr. Mario World is a free to start 
is free to start and will be available to download on iOS and Android. It's going to be, I imagine it will be similar to Mario, Mario Run, Run yeah. where you can play like the first like four levels and then you have to pay just like one nine dollar yeah, transaction to play the rest of it. But didn't Nintendo say they were doing away with that model and we're going to the more traditional free to play model that all mm. other mobile games have? I thought that was a thing that Nintendo leadership said. Maybe. Because if it was just nine ninety nine, I'm in. I will yeah. buy Dr. Mario for like the 20th time. Fuck yeah. I'm down. Because it's such a great phone game. It is a great phone. Here, and my problem, of course, yeah, it's free, but it offers in-app purchases, so it's doing the same thing. The problem with it being a great phone game is, yes, it will be. It's going to be one. I hate it when it's always online. Does it, it have to be always online? I mean, Dr. That's Mario? Super, that's how Super Mario Run was. That's how Animal Crossing World is. Oh, or, right. what is it? Animal Crossing... But, yeah. like, camp. <laughs> but even though, obviously, Dr. Mario has like that PvP component, I loved playing Dr. Mario by myself. Yeah, let me play it on a... Gosh darn plane. That's all. That's what I'm worried about. Mm. See, it's so close to doing it right, Nintendo. Help us out. Help us help you. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Right there. Persistent internet and compatible smart devices required. Damn it. Maintain advertising. Persistent internet. Advertising. Wah, 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 wah. What? Nintendo. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's just that's the official Apple listing on the store. Yeah. So I'm sure like the ad is Nintendo. Buy ads. a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to be Get like a Nintendo online subscription. It's not going to be like, let me tell you about him. You know, I don't think it's going to be that kind of. <laughs> Speaking of everybody, it's time for reader mail. But first, I'm going to tell you about our sponsors. Number one is Grubhub. Andrea. Yes. This we, is what's this? We ordered food. I believe it's from Bacon Bake. Or no, it's Ooh, from. It's, uh, it smells delicious. It's got to be from uh, what's his face, right? Is this a breakfast burrito? Squat and gobble. Joey. Joey's going to come in and tell you what we ordered. Grubhub helps you find and order food from wherever you are. How it works? You type in an address. We tell you the restaurants that deliver to that locale, as well as showing you droves of pickup restaurants near you. Want to be more specific? You can search by cuisine, restaurant name, or menu item. We'll filter your results accordingly. When you find what you're looking for, you can place your order online or by phone free of charge. Joey, what did we order today? We ordered from Lucho's. Lucho's. So we got some breakfast burritos and uh, some... Avocado toast. Excellent. Lucho is one of our favorite places. You may have recognized them in the Kind of Funny Game Showcase. Uh, Grubhub gives you access to your favorite hey, restaurants, Jerry. reviews, and a 24-7 customer care team that tracks each order and makes sure you get exactly what you want. Uh, the company's online and mobile ordering platforms allow diners to order directly from anywhere. Get $10 off your first order of $15 or more by downloading the Grubhub app <laughs> and using promo code Kind of Funny. $10 off your first order, $15 or more, by downloading the Grubhub app and using the promo code. That looks like avocado toast. That avocado smells great. Avocado toast, some bacon. Yeah, well, we're not doing a Lucho's ad. We're just saying Grubhub's great, all right? Grubhub is great. We use it all the time. Everybody knows that. Uh, next up is Brooke Linen. Uh, making your home beautiful is the ultimate form of self-care. You spend a third of your life in the sheets. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? And now, with that warmer weather is here, maybe it's time to switch up your sheets and duvets to something a little breezier, lightweight, and soft. Check out Brooke Linen's new newest linen collection with a beautiful assortment of colors. These are luxury linen sheets and robes without the luxury markups. Brooklinen was the first DTC, that's direct-to-consumer bedding company, meaning they work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers, no middlemen, just a great product and service. They've got 12 beautiful linen colors and patterns to choose from. It's in their name, so you know it's good. Brooklinen's newest linen collection is amazing. I couldn't recommend their products more. You know this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Greg Miller, and every photo of Portillo in my bed is taken on Brooklinen sheets and comforters, because I like them that much. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer to my listeners. Get 10, 10% off and free shipping when you use the promo code games at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident 
in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code GAMES. Brooklinen. These are the best sheets ever. Then it's Quip. It's time for spring cleaning. Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. The new Kids Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as our original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush like a grown-up. The new brush is the same as our original version, just tweaked for size-down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products the adults in their life use. And they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks. Uh, Kid-friendly features uh, like a small brush head, watermelon, anti-cavity toothpaste, and rubber grip handles in colors the little ones will love. Of course, it has the same built-in two-minute timer. You know that everybody here used Quip. You know that Tim is dumb and left his in L.A., so now he's ordering a brand new one. I know. But he likes it so much, legitimately, he's ordering another one. I love mine. I travel with it all the time. I'm packing it up for Montreal in a few days. We use it every day. You should be too. Uh, find out why more than one million happy, healthy mouths use Quip. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash games right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash games, games, games. We're going to start with a question from Gilly Brums over at patreon.com slash games. Hi, Greg and Andrea. It seems like one of the reoccurring themes this E3 was free post-launch content updates for both upcoming and currently released games. Free content is always good for the player, but I guess after hearing so many developers discuss it recently, I feel a bit concerned. I know how many people over underestimate, I'm sorry, underestimate the time and money hole that game development can be sometimes. So I guess my question is, has this free update environment we've cultivated set game devs up for financial loss in the near or distant future? I know microtransactions are working well for the major titles, e.g. Fortnite or Overwatch, but will games with less clout fall under the line? Maybe I'm being pessimistic. I just hope both players and devs can be successful in these deals. We'd love to know what you think. Thanks for all you do. Gilly Brums. This is a great question, Gilly. Um, and also a very interesting problem that I think is going to need to be solved in the future. I don't think every game is going to get free post-launch updates because the DLC model of your is still very successful depending on the type of game it is. Yeah. But I do think that the bigger publishers in particular are looking at the profitability of including microtransactions, hopefully just cosmetic based, into their ecosystem to help fund it. Does it mean that we're setting them up for financial loss? Man, I hope not. Potentially. The hope would be, I know, you know, oh, uh, consistently living world, games as a service, blah, blah, blah. People jump to being nickel and dime. They jump to this idea that, you know, I hope it's just microtransactions or this thing. It's more than that, right? I think when you see The Division doing The Division free weekend, right, and timing it with the new title update and other content, uh, a year of free content that they can continue to get beats out of, it's what I thought Telltale did so well early on. What it, they did so well with The Walking Dead, right? Where it would be, hey, oh my gosh, Walking Dead is really good. And you got five different beats, five different PR beats, five different reviews on IGN, five different reasons to be a new game again, to be new hotness again, when in reality, it's pretty much the same thing. When you see something like Fallout 76, right, have a rough launch, but then maintain a, a fan base, but then 
and this is I can only speak personally, I guess, put out something at the Bethesda uh, conference, both with, hey, right now there's a reason to play. Right now it's free. We have a battle royale mode. And then this fall, we're giving you NPC, human NPCs and characters and quest lines like that got me excited to play Fallout again. And I was already kind of jonesing for it, but I jumped back in. And again, being a, a, somebody who follows the, the Fallout 76 subreddit, seeing the amount of people pop in and be like, I shouldn't, I should have listened to my, I shouldn't have listened to my friends. I should have played this earlier. I should have done this. I'm excited for that. Like you can still get those big beats and those to look at it like a graph, right? Where in the old days, I think it was the game releases and there's that first week of sales and then it immediately starts falling off. And it's, pretty much impossible steam sales would be an exception something like state of play playstation plus but even to take the playstation plus example i think when you're talking about adding free content to games that have already been out for forever it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how long you're seeing those bumps again and getting new people in and a reason to turn them back on and when you have a reason to turn it on there's a reason to buy a microtransaction buy a piece of dlc you missed do something to support it there and i think and this is me talking out my butt I, I'm under the belief that if the game's already made and you're just making new content for that game, that's still cheaper than going and making a new game and the pre-pro and the publicity and will it work and is this a fun loop and all these different things where you get to experiment in these things and have a different chance to come out with a quote-unquote new game if I'm talking about you know Fallout 76 Battle Royale mode right now and give them a reason to jump into it. You're not wrong in anything that you just said. Thank you, Andrea. Um, but I think no, cut her mic. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> you're not wrong, but um, I think the thing that's maybe missing from the conversation is the the loss of profitability over time, mm-hmm. right? So people that bought 76, since we're using this as an example at launch, sure. paid full price for it. Of course, you can easily get filed 76 in a discount bin or on a flash sale for you know a half the price, a third of the price, even right. Um, and so. Bethesda as the developer of that game then is getting a much smaller percentage of the profit. Now I think Fallout 76 is a unique example because they had a botched launch yeah. and so I mean that's a whole other thing to sure. take into consideration. I think of maybe a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey that had a really fantastic sure. uh, launch that had a lot of critical success and a lot of users really loved the game as well. I think it was kind of one of those universally loved games. People praised a lot of it but it's also one of those games that put out content releases that were paid post-launch yeah. and in addition also had free stuff as well so they were trying to service both audiences but I think what they did really great is that they said we're going to give you options to buy cool stuff to enhance your experience if you want yep. but it's not going to affect your gameplay or anybody else's gameplay session right like if I chose to buy the experience booster it's just going to affect my game and nobody else's yeah. right and if I want to buy like the Pegasus cool skin yeah. for Phobos or whatever you know that's just because I want to spend the $10 to do it and so I think you know there's a lot of different models to look at for success I think it's smart for developers who have structured their game to be community based like let's take the upcoming Marvel's Avengers and they talked about free post launch content one of the many sure. games at E3 that did so and they said well the reason we want to put our new heroes and regions for free is to keep the community together we don't yep. want to splinter people that have the new hero whether it be Hawkeye or Spider-Man or whoever they announce yeah. and then the people that sure, don't Spider-Man. right yeah. 
Oh, is Shirtless Spider-Man going to make I mean, an appearance just, in Marvel's I've, Avengers? I've heard some rumors. I've heard some rumors. <laughs> um, and also the same thing with like Modern Warfare, right? right? Like them being like, listen. Now no. that was a really big deal yeah. with Call of Duty coming forward and saying we're getting rid of the season pass. I think arguably of all the publishers that have been changing their business model, that is the biggest news because they had no reason to because they kept selling. Yeah. Like they weren't pushed into it because they took this massive dip in profits. Sure. Obviously, like they took a small dip, but I mean, it's still Call of Duty. They're still in the top 10 best selling games every single year i mean that's the luxury we have of talking about this stuff day in day out and i I think that it gets lost the narrative a lot of times that when it is we have three months solid of uh, loot boxes they've done this loot box or they think this game put a loot box in there like we did with like uh battlefront and then uh shadow of war and so on and so forth yeah, NBA and those, all those changes, all those games, right, yeah. are glacial. It's a giant shift to turn, and I'm talking about the industry turning, not even just one game or one company. But then you get to an E3 like this, right, where messaging is: we're Avengers, everything's free. We're Call of Duty, everything's free, and everybody's on the same page. We're the Division, everything's free. Like they, they, the the people making the decisions and making games have seen what works and what doesn't, and now they're changing and getting to this place that, to Gilly's question. You hope works. You hope this is a, a, this is the right thing to do to keep people engaged and you know support studios and have it where there aren't layoffs after a game ships and there is a reason to keep going. There is a team that is making new stuff for the existing game while working on what the next thing is going to be. Absolutely. I want to bring in the nanobiologist. He's in a similar vein, but not even a question. He says, I want to submit an article for required reading. In a recent Verge article, Phil Spencer talked about how the measurement of success is changing for the games industry. More, more specifically, he states that the current form of business current form of business how many players are playing the games he's okay so he's saying the current form of business success is how many people are playing the games while this seems like a no-brainer it definitely does not match the argument that nearly everyone makes of quote but the other company has sold more consoles so they're doing better end quote i've always found it odd that i've always found it odd as that being the one true factor since historically console i've always found it found that that's the one true factor since historic i gotta i'm editing on the fly for sure, now sure, sure. just well, on our forum when you want to write long you start getting the lines cutting off and you can't punctuation is important friends historically <laughs> console manufacturers have either come up or come up even or lost money on these things but with a shift to subscription models eg ubisoft xbox game pass xbox ultimate game pass do you see this to be the new statistic being delivered to stockholders slash developers slash economists instead of units sold slash units shipped to me the subscription model will be way more telling of who is truly buying into a company plus it seems that these subscription models take middlemen out of the equation giving them more money to hopefully invest back into the studios that make the better games so where do you come down on basically i guess is it going to be how many people are playing the games or how many people are owning the consoles it'll definitely be at least for the next generation i think it'll still be column a column b Mm -hmm. like a little bit of both but we're definitely shifting more towards monthly unique players or monthly active players you know a model that mmos really started on pc and that's because if you're a monthly active user the odds are you're probably spending money monthly versus somebody who buys the game once like I bought Red Dead Redemption 2 last fall for PlayStation 4. That's a one-line stat. But if I buy a game like Fortnite or if I'm a registered active user of a game like Fortnite, it probably means I'm spending money every four to six weeks as they sure. drop new content Season into the game. And, games, yeah. and then they can, t- can continue to sell to me as, a, as an active daily user, active monthly user, whatever the metric is, yeah. versus somebody who buys a game at retail one time. Yeah. Yeah. 
I also think in terms of this article and it being from Phil's perspective, I think it's also about what Xbox considers success now versus what maybe a PlayStation does. Where, where I think Xbox is doing so much service-based subscription stuff that that might that is I don't even think that might that is more important to them than the sales of the Xbox One. And we'll we, see what the next generation means. Oh, absolutely. We've seen that in their marketing messaging over the last couple of years when they came out a few years back and said, "Listen, we're just not going to discuss how many Xbox Ones we've sold. That number is just no." longer relevant to us as a business now that was a really big announcement for them to say essentially we don't care where we stand in the console war for this generation because that's not our primary focus Mm -hmm. we've seen them double down on xbox game pass over the last two years especially with the new ultimate announcements that we got at e3 last week and we all know from the many many subscription services in our lives that these are giant revenue drivers for the companies that own them because we all sign up for a subscription and then we forget about it and we just keep paying for it and then you go in and look at your bank account and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm subscribed to all of this stuff. Where's all my money going? Well, exactly. I, I don't even use Hulu and anymore. And that's why they're so profitable and why we're seeing so many people do them. Yeah. And I think, as you said, column A, column B, I think as we continue to move towards whatever the digital future might be or whatever the future in general will be, that'll mean. Yeah, more. we're just not ready to go all digital or all subscription yet. I've said that and I will continue to say that. I think it's not this generation potentially, but the generation after yeah. that maybe that becomes a reality. Yeah, where the number, where it goes major. I think towards the back half of this upcoming generation, that's right. when you're going to see the shift it. begins. You'll start yeah. cre- seeing creep over that 50% or to the 50%. Johnny Sansom Knight writes in, to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says hey y'all with the inception of state of play inside xbox nintendo directs etc i think we are all in agreement that companies are trying to control the message with this in mind i wonder what the advantage is to a developer publisher or platform manufacturer of behind closed doors demos at e3 and other shows for example ea showed a demo of star wars jedi fallen order during ea play that from what I've heard from media outlets and influencers, wasn't entirely representative of the game. Apparently, the game is even better. I've also heard mixed reviews of Cyberpunk 2077 demo, but have to wait until PAX West to see it for myself. And then there's Avengers. Well, it seems no one knows what the fuck that game is. I do. My point is that these behind closed doors demos, whether hands on or hands off, aren't really maintaining the control of the message directive. Rather, rather they are putting it to people such as yourselves who then disseminate their opinions. Do you feel this is more advantageous of an approach? Thanks for all you do. Johnny. It's been part of E3 since I've been going to E3s, which I'd mentioned this year was my 12th E3. Behind closed doors demos serve a very specific purpose. So it allows developers to show of audience with a critical eye, people like Greg and I have been working in the business yeah. for over a decade, a build of the game that isn't quite ready for the public. And the reason why they keep it behind closed doors is because Greg and I have seen many broken builds of games. We've seen Greybox. We've seen T-Pose. We know what all the terminology means. Oh, and fell so, through the world. We're right. Really so they don't have to explain to us that this is not the finished product. And that message is much more difficult when you're bringing in members of the public or if you're just releasing this build of the game that's not going to be the finished version. And then having to control that messaging of, oh, well... 
like imagine they put the BCD up on a YouTube link, which happened to Avengers. It got leaked by someone, and then it gets disseminated around the internet, and then people don't understand that this is not the final version of the game, and that this is not even the UI and the menus and the HUD and some of the animations will probably all be tweaked and changed before the game comes out for retail. And that's a really difficult message to convey to consumers who don't have the context of the developers in the room explaining that. Yeah. And that's why behind closed doors demos exist for members of the press because we've been doing it long enough that we understand the concept that this is not final gameplay and we build that into our preview. Um, and so that's really why BCDs exist. Are they the best way to market a game? Not necessarily because I'll take Avengers as an example. You know, I had the amazing opportunity to work with the Crystal Dynamics team and see this before, you know, the the reveal. But the thing is, is that when I saw the gameplay, like it absolutely changed my perspective of just watching the footage from the reveal. Mm. Because when you watch the trailer reveal first, it's like, oh, it's super cool. You get this idea of this original story. And I go into this in our episode in in What's Good Games last week. But the gameplay really kind of... I'm sorry, where is that? Uh, oh, you could get that at whatsgoodgames.com on your favorite podcast server at youtube.com slash whatsgoodgames. Thanks, Greg. No um, and I think that seeing the gameplay is what really got me more excited for the game. And I also wish that you guys could have seen it, but I understand why they're not ready to show it to the public yet because we don't want a watchdog situation on our sure. hands where you show the gameplay too early and then you iterate and iterate on it. And then by the time the game comes to final retail, you're paying for something that's different. And now you're dealing with mismanaged expectations and people get upset. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it all in that encapsulation thing. I think when you're talking about the three examples Johnny brings up, Star Wars, Cyberpunk, and Avengers, you get different, I think, reasonings behind it and also different levels of success at what they're achieving, right? I think from this thing, I think Star Wars and Avengers fall into the same bucket of what they were trying to do, and I just don't think they nailed it in the same way. Whereas I think Star Wars came out at EA Play, showed a demo. Again, I hosted the panel, so I was paid by EA to be a host, take my opinion with a grain of salt. I thought it looked awesome. I, when he grabs him and stabs him, I'm like, I'm in. I'm all in. And personally, I thought that demo was awesome and got me excited. And I was like, yep, all in. So then to go behind closed doors and show more stuff, you know, uh, Jason Schreier tweeted over uh, Latin overnight, I think, or since last show about like, I actually hear that it's not even like that. It's actually better. It's a Metroidvania thing. You're, you're, you have a spaceship. You're flying around. I'm like, that even gets better. And so it's like when you have these different beats to get people more and more excited, Where you because that's what you want when you have... Uh, uh, and I, I know going into E3, there was a lot of this year especially of like people saying it's a commercial. It's E3 is commercial and it's marketing. or And people being, ah, oh, but it's so much... Uh, and they're being anger. I fall into the camp that... E3 is a commercial and it's marketing Absolutely. in a good way, in a great way, right? And I, you can, I think if you are a student of the game and you pay attention long enough, you understand exactly what they're doing. So it is, I think, EA Play. Here's a great demo to get everybody excited. Holy crap, it worked. Now we're going to show influencers and press the thing behind closed doors so they come out and they go, if you think that was cool, you should have seen this thing, which is exactly what Tim did when he went and played it behind, uh, behind closed mm-hmm. doors. And so you have this hype machine that goes and it's like, you saw something, but guess what? It is awesome still. It keeps getting better. Even the Jason stuff, I know some people, oh, there was a question we're not going to get to today that was like, oh, I don't, Metroidvania actually turns me off. I'd prefer if it was, but like, even in general, like something cool, a single player Star Wars that's doing something cool and different, that gets people more excited. I think the Avengers misstep, they were trying for that, but I think their trailer they showed on stage was just a bit too ambiguous of what was going on. And then the description afterwards of not saying this is what the game is, instead saying like, our content's free. Everybody's like, 
but what's the game? Blah, blah, blah. And then I know right. like, your panel helped obviously uh, uh, bring that to speed. Tim went and saw it behind closed doors to get a better feel for what the game plan was. But then coming out of that, Tim came out of it going, eh, I didn't look that great. He's like, it doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look like Spider-Man. It doesn't look like a Spider-Man game. And, and I think that's what people want. But in the same breath, that's also why you put that demo behind closed doors so that you come out and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm actually more excited for it. And Tim again is like, I'm going to play this. I'm excited to play it. It's just, mm-hmm. it wasn't hype level expectation kind of thing. Right. Well, I mean, it's also not an open world game. So you're like sure. comparing apples to oranges, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, I think it's also important to remember that the people who put on E3, the ESA, um, and just like EA puts on EA play, they have to give a reason to entice people to come physically to the event. Much like how, when you go to San Diego comic-con, those hall H mm, panels are not streamed online. Sure. A lot of them come to digital afterwards right and you get or you'll get you know leaks and things like that but like they want to incentivize fans to show up on site and go and have these experiences and do these demos behind closed doors and visit these festivals and things like that and that's also part of what's in play here as well and so that's why we get sometimes these e3 demos that get released like 30 days or 60 days after e3 now is that what's going to happen with with cyberpunk and with avengers i don't know i think Um, so i mean cyberpunk's showing at pax west yeah and you assume that panel will be streamed and i bet as soon as that panel's over they flip a switch and put it on their youtube page i mean because they did that i believe with one of the witcher 3 demos from e3 they did with cyberpunk last year where we talked about it It was two and a half months later they were like all right everybody gets it now and you can do it so i think that you know that also is part of what's happening here as well but i with you i'm with you that it sucks for people who are getting only half the picture and don't get the full one and that's the thing is like uh, as video games get bigger and the industry and fans I think not and I hate saying casual but people who aren't invested in I'm going to follow Twitter nonstop and read every IGN article right even myself right. who just doesn't have time like I miss stuff all the time that I'm like wait where do they they didn't say that oh they said it in this interview with Kotaku with Waypoint and then that, I'm like ah oh, fuck alright you know you have to try to cobble it all together and that's right. what you guys always send into your wrong these things are well actually they said this I'm like I don't how did you find that good for you um Borzin00 writes in and says, Good morning, Greg and Andrea. Last week it was E3, and with it, we got news that Amazon has chosen to lay off a good number, some are saying dozens, of their game developers, and it got me thinking. What is Amazon doing? Besides hiding this news during E3 week, they also have announced a game that none of their games a game that none of their games have even seen the light of day. What I can tell... Oh, man, there's punctuation. From what I can tell... Uh, so what are they doing? Besides having Twitch and their own game engine, Lumberyard is just a cry engine with a, diff- a few differences to-, to it. Makes me think Amazon is not taking this newfangled video game industry all too seriously. What do you guys think, Borson? Well, Amazon's primary business in video games is mobile-based, right? So for Amazon Fire Games, things like that. So they're like in a little bit of a different sector, particularly during E3. We don't see a lot of activation around mobile titles uh, because they just get you know swallowed in the wake of the AAAs that come through for console and PC. But I think Amazon is a gigantic multi-billion dollar business, and maybe they decided gaming wasn't as lucrative for them as they wanted it to be because making money in games is definitely not easy and they could reinvest that money into Amazon Prime Video or yeah. into Amazon Web Services or literally a bazillion other things that Amazon has under their umbrella. I so. think Amazon is a giant corporation with buckets of money. And so when you want to, you, it's just like if you want, you know, Kevin uh, plays the stock market, right? No, I shouldn't say play. Kevin <laughs> is really good at the stock market. And it's 
taking educated guesses and putting your money into this, hoping it pays off. And I think companies do that too with different divisions. And to your point, I think a lot of people look at the video games and go, man, video games are huge. They are bigger than the movie industry. We need to get in on that. And they jump into that, not realizing it's going to be years and years and years before you get anything. And then they go, you know what? We need to get out of this. Like that's, if that's right. the line item that's sucking you down, right? You dump it, you jump, you cut and run. It's the same thing. Why people uh, necessarily don't believe in Google Stadia, right? Of like, well, what about Google plus? What about all these other Google systems that they threw the money they threw the spaghetti at the wall and it didn't stick. And they're like, onto the next thing. Like, yeah. I think that's what big corporations do. Absolutely. To try to continue to be bigger corporations. Final question, Andrea Renee. Okay. Comes from Malcontent Ronan. Uh, he writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, E3 question. With the show now selling tickets to the public, does the swag remain press only? The myriad of link keychains, cyberpunk jackets, etc. on eBay speaks to otherwise. Just wondering, as I can imagine, there are those of you who get to the, 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 imagine there are those who go just to procure stuff for resale. Also, did you hear that the cyberpunk jacket will be available for sale? Thank you. Um, it, it depends on what you're talking about. Right. Each There are some publishers that have separate swag for public and press. Um, but don't forget that there's this whole other group of badges called industry badges at E3, which include people that work at places like Best Buy or GameStop managers or people who work in the video games industry but that aren't press or developers but that work around video games that come as well. And so... I'm sure a lot of them get access to some of the same swag that press gets access to. And maybe they're not a fan of, you know, cyberpunk. 100%. Maybe they're like, I don't like bomber jackets. They're, they're dumb and stupid. And so they're like, I'll sell it on eBay. Everyone's different. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. The cyberpunk jacket was not available at the public demos. You had to have that VIP behind closed doors tickets ticket up there. For right? it, yeah. And so, yeah, that, you know, I was in, you know, it's what it was every hour on the hour and it's gotta be what, where there's like, 30, 40 people in there. So that's 30 to 40 jackets leaving at any time. Mm-hmm. And then what are they going to happen with those jackets? And I would never, ever, ever sell anything I got <laughs> from an event on eBay. Oh, never. Absolutely and so like, not. that's like one of the few like holdovers of a journalism degree where I'm like, no, I'll give it to a fan. I'll do something with it, but I'm not going to donate do it. it. I don't know what sure, the yeah. keychains were. And the, yeah, as E3 continues to evolve and change, it's also, I, I remember last year walking out of the uh, cyberpunk demo and they gave us that statue of the woman with no arms bust, or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, immediately some fans like, that's awesome. Or they want it for photos. And they're like, oh, cool. Oh, you saw cyber. I'm like, yeah, you want this like oh my god yeah i'm like take it i don't yeah. need this uh, armless woman in my house anywhere so enjoy it yeah like the e3 exclusive statue they were doing of aiden caldwell for dying light too i don't know if you saw yeah, it I uh, they were giving out those on the dying light uh, demos and so we uh, took ours and donated it to our friends at stack up Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. I gave it to a young boy named Snowbike Mike, who was very excited. Oh, that guy. <laughs> uh, time to squad up. This is where one of you writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Give me your name, username, platform of choice, and where you need help in a video game you need help. I would hear the best friends come and find you, and everybody has time and fun together. Today, Robert Mims needs help on podcast services around the globe. Uh, he is on Twitter. It is Rave Lord Nito. So, but it's it's R-A-V-E-L-O-R-D-E-N-I-T-O. Robert says, I have a favor to ask of you, Greg, and the Kind of Funny community. I'm looking for LGBTQ gaming podcasts or networks. The Kind of Funny shows are incredible, but y'all are straight. And while there's nothing wrong with being straight, sometimes as a queer person, I need a queer perspective. If anyone in the community has some recommendations for queer gamers to follow or queer gaming podcasts, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, If this doesn't exist, I want to start some queer gaming podcasts. So if you know of some, hit up Rave Lord Nitto. 
I put this up on my own Twitter because I thought it'd be an easy way to cross promote with stuff. Uh, Reed wrote in and said, "Choose your character podcast uh, that they choose. They describe themselves as the podcast where we explore our identity through video games. Part of the Atlantic transmission." Chelsea wrote in and said, "People play games just started, but I'm enjoying it. Not a podcast, but uh, it's gamingmag.com. G a y m i n g mag.com. It's like gay IGN. All right. And then Film Fifty Two said." Podquisition features two queer gaming journalists and a het, I think a heterosexual man and uh, make music about slash based on video games discussing video game shit and that's a Jim Sterling uh, part of his whole thing so there you go there's three and I'm retweeting it and tagging you Rave Lord there you Nito. go everybody tweet at Rave Lord Nito tell him or Nito what he should be watching or listening to or whatever of course still keep coming here and if you don't Robert dead to me. Time for your wrong. This is where people watching live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games go and tell us what we screwed up as we screwed up. And man, guess what? It's hard to figure out what the average salary of a video game developer is, as uh, I have many different things here. Uh, the antibiologist is pulling a glass door survey. He's finding it's about $72,000. Um, uh, Mad Exposure is pulling something from 2014 and finding that the average for males is 85K, women is uh, 72.8K as of 2013. Um, interesting. Uh, Capitalist Pig has a different thing. Glassdoor, Payscale, etc. puts the number at about 68,000. Of course, there's jobs as testers go as low as 18,000. So it's all over the place. As you yeah, expect. well, I mean, like that entry level is going to be of course, super low. And that's why yeah. I think it's hard to... It's, it's, also, uh, how much of these are... No, I don't mean real surveys like that. I mean, like, I'm not haphazard. Not like, yeah, I, I'm, hey, tell me what you make to be part well, of this survey. I thought GDC did a survey. Me too. Man, that's what I, I was hoping I could get more on, but I can't, so it's dead. <laughs> Nanobiologist says Citizens of Space is out on Xbox One and Switch today. You said only PlayStation 4 and PC. Nanobiologist follows up and says, per Nintendo, Dr. Mo- Dr. Mario World is monetized in the following ways. Gameplay is limited by a stamina meter. Hearts will refill over time. And players can purchase a premium currency, diamonds, to buy power-ups or more medicine capsules if they run out. Lord of Pwn has an answer to all these problems if we don't like anything we've heard. Dr. Mario is already on Switch. You can play while on a plane. There you go. We don't need these fancy mobile games. Thank you. Um, Dan Lima says, somebody wrote in mentioning that none of none of the games by Amazon Game Studios saw the light of the day. That is actually incorrect. In fact, they had a big console release this year, the Grand Tour game, an episodic racing game based on the Grand Tour TV show. A lot of people from Amazon Game Studios worked on that game, and I believe it was the first game to ship on console developed by them in their engine, Lumberyard. Thank you. Um, yeah, okay, great. Ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of funny games daily. Remember each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Join us, patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Watch it live, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. Watch it later, youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Watch it on roosterteeth.com. Listen on podcast services around the globe. If you see we have cool friends somewhere out there, subscribe and watch it there and do that thing. You know what I mean? Oh, you don't like the guests that week? It doesn't matter. Just play it on mute. That way we get the view and stuff. You know what I mean? It's not that hell. Jeez. <laughs> Andrea. Yes, Greg. Where can people keep up with you? Um, at Andrea Renee on Twitter is the best place to find everything that I'm doing, whether it's kind of funny or what's good related, or maybe it's doing something else with other cool folks like the amazing stream I'm doing for St. Jude's and Guardian Con Friday, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. at twitch.tv slash what's good games. If you guys aren't familiar, they, of course, are raising money for the big, beautiful kids at St. Jude's. The big, beautiful kids. So please stop by and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys in the chat. We're going to host it on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. So hopefully you'll see it there. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. It's been our pleasure to serve you.